All right, today's daf is daf Lamed and Yuma, page 35. We're up to the Gemara. Yesterday we ended off with the Mishnah on Lamed Dalet, Lamed Beis, which uh, taught us that they would bring the Kayin to the Beis HaParva, which is in the, within an area of Kedusha. And they would spread out the linens to remind everybody, the Kayin Godol, along with Klal Yisrael, that we're dealing with linens on Yom Kippur. We had these, these uh, special Begadim. And the Sefer, the Mishnah, discussed the value of each set of linen, all right? The value of each set, and we got into the total value as well, and we will continue focusing on that as well. Here we go. Zot, the Gemara. The Gemara says, no problem. My Parva. What does it mean we take Mlishka's Parva? Amr Yosef, Parva Amgusha. Parva was the name of a Amgusha, the name of a, a, uh, a, somebody who was involved in witchcraft and, and uh, was involved. They tried hopping on what was going on in this room, dug a tunnel underneath, the Ganjamaisa. And because of this, so they called it uh, Lishka Saparva. Parish of Southern Shabbats, they would spread out a linen sheet between the Kayin Godel and Klai. So Maishno Shabbats, why linen? Amar of Kahana, like we explained in the beginning of today's year. If Kahana says, Kadesha Yakir Big Day Butz. To remind the Kayan Gadol that today is not his regular wardrobe. There's a new wardrobe. Alright, next part of the Mishnah. In the morning he he wore linen made from Pelusi linen and it was worth eighteen mana, which is eighteen hundred Zuz. In the evening, the Khum say it was twelve hundred. It says the Gemara a total of thirty, Vitana Minyana also Lashmainan. Ask the Gemara, is the Tana assuming we don't know how to do math? Why did it say, oh, yeah, 18 plus 12 equals 30? Shkoyach, yeah, we went to grade school. So why is, why is it necessary to give us the, the, the total numbers? The Gemara, the Chiddush of the Mishnah is, the Botzer Mehani Loinavit, that it's got to be at minimum 30. Ha'i less lamba. Okay, so the, says the Gemara, I'll tell you why we have to tell the total. Because, let's say instead of 18 and 12, it would be 17 and 13. That's Eichid Git. Okay, so you can't do 18 and 11. You can't do 15 and 14. It's got to be, at least, add up until to have a total of, of uh, 30. All right, so if it's not this, that's why we give the total. To let us know, if it's not exactly 18 and 12, as long as it adds up completely to 30... It's bizarre. Okay. The Kuliyalma Mias, the Shacharadifi Minalon, according to their opinion, the morning linen begodim had a higher value than the afternoon, because according to the Tanakama, which is Rebbe Meir, first was 12 and then 8. And according to the Chachamim, there was 18 and then 12. Everybody agrees the morning begodim had a higher value. Why Minalon? Where do they get this from? Um, Rav Huna Braid Rabbi Lai. Rav Huna says, name Rabbi Lai. Um, bad, 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 bad. All right? It says, it says, linen, 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 linen. All right? It says in the Pesach four times, You mentioned four times the Pesach, which lets us know that in the morning should always be the Mubchur Babat. That's got to be, that's got to be, uh, the, the best of the best. Says the Gemara, top of Amad Beis, one second, Meisvei. They ask the challenging question, but love should be God the Machairim. The Kohen Gadol changes out 
into other clothing. And they were not Mekadosh Kal Yisrael with their begodim, meaning that after the Kohen Godel, Rashi explains that after the Kohen Godel completed his Avedah of Yom Kippur, he would first have to change out of his begodim before going back out amongst the people. My love, Acherim Cheshuvah Mehem. Aren't we dealing with Acherim that are even more Cheshuv than them? Others, other ones doesn't have to be that it's more Cheshuv. It could be that it's less Cheshuv. Okay, well, later on in the day, you, uh, it's, it could be, uh, could be teaching us that it's uh, of lower value. Be it as it may, be it as it may, it seems the Gemara is agreeing that the source that we're bringing, that the morning should be a higher value than the afternoon, is, it's a good source. However, there's, a, you know, it's, it's not the greatest, and therefore, it could be that if it's not exact the numbers, as long as it adds up, let's say the discrepancy between the value, let's say it would be 15 and 15. 15, 15 money in the morning, 15 money in the afternoon, it would still be a kosher, uh, kosher avayda. We'd still accept it because bottom line is it does add up to 30 and it's not exact because we do have a little bit of a weakness in the proof. Okay, fine. Period. Here we go. After the Kain God completes the Avedas Tibor, Kain Shasalai Imaik Sainas, the Kayin we learned that even though the Kayhanim's mothers were permitted to tailor make their garments, they had to belong to the base of As long as it was owned by the base of Mikdash, the mothers could be the one who tailor make it. Says the Gemara Pshita. Okay, it's obvious. In other words, why should the Begadim be worse if a mother makes it than if a a hired tailor makes it. I would think it's, a, it's not good if the mother makes it. Says Gemara Mahu Bedema. I would have thought to say, I would be concerned that, listen, maybe it's very sentimental to him that his mother made it and they're not really giving it over to the Beis HaMikdash. Because, you know, it's really mine. My mother make it. I'll pretend, you know, I'll, I'll pretend like we're handing it over to... Uh, to the ownership base, but it's not really with a full heart. They really want it, okay? So Kamashman, therefore the Brisa lets us know that it's okay. If a mother makes it, and they give Kedusha to the base of Migdash, Pavi. they said about Rabbi Shmuel, the son of Pavi, listen to this. We're talking about 30 mana total in our Mishnah. His mother used to make him, used to have made his begadim, of such high-value uh, high fabric of linen that it was worth a hundred money. And he wore it when he would perform the Avaidas Yochid. And he gave it over to the Beisam Mikdash. And this name is now going to lead us onto a tangent, a beautiful Gemara for the rest of the, of, of the daf. They said Rebbe Lozben Charsum, who was very, very wealthy, his mother made him the tunic worth 20,000 mana. Okay? We're dealing with like $200,000 over here, right? And they didn't even let him wear it. 
it was see-through. The fat, the linens and the weave was so refined that it was the white got see-through and therefore as expensive as it was, it wasn't Tzniyas, he couldn't even wear it. Says the Gemara, one second, Umi Mishazi, how is it possible that his garments could be see-through? It had to be at least six, six-fold. Yeah, well, you could find the same way when you have a a mizga, uh, a diluted cup of wine, and you want to look through a beautiful silver at it, and or I'm sorry, you want to look through a glass. So you go you, as thick as the glass is, you could still see wine. So too, this linen was woven in such a refined way that as as thick as it was there were still there, there, there was there was such fine weaving that there were still little little gaps that ultimately made it made the garment a little bit see-through okay period that really is from here until the Mishnah at the bottom of the Yomud um, the discussion of the Mishnah now we're going to get on to some famous famous Gemaras that are often quoted, and how tugapast, how appropriate is it to learn these Gemaras discussing the value of Taira as we go into Shavuot. So listen here, here we go. Beautiful, beautiful Gemaras. Here we go, beautiful. one of the rabbis learn, so should we. If you have a poor person, a wealthy person, and a Russia, they're coming to be judged in Shamayim, Lani the poor person dies, he comes up to heaven, and we say to him, the Bezdin Shomala says to him, why didn't you learn Torah, my dear poor person? He's going to say, listen, I was so poor. And I had to go panhandle, I didn't have time to learn Torah, it was too hard, to, I was working too hard earning a living. We say to him, were you any poorer than Hillel? Hillel was so poor. How poor was Hillel? Says the Gemara. Armor level Hillel Zakin. It says about Hillel Zakin. Every day he would go out uh, to work and he would earn a little bit of money called the Trapoik. Half of that money he would give as entrance fee to the base Hamedrish. The other half. Went for food for his family. One time, he didn't earn any money. He couldn't pay the entrance fee to pay membership for the base measures. They didn't let him in. He went up to the roof and looked through the sunlight, the, the skylight. At least, if he's not going to be able to hear and sit in front of Shmaya and Avtalian, his Rabbeim, at least he could see their faces while they're learning, while they're teaching Torah. You'd be able to hear it as well. Hopefully. At least see them. But Lamaisa the Gemara says to be able to hear it. Okay. What happened? As the story is told over, the day he had no money was Arab Shabbos. You heard of Shalak Menashemayim and he's laying on the skylight. And it starts to snow. When Amuda Shachar came, they would learn. They learned throughout the entire Shabbos evening. It came the next morning. 
Every day we get sunlight from the sky, from the skylight. The sun comes down and it seems to be pretty dark. Maybe it's cloudy outside. They looked upwards, they saw the shape of a person. They went up and they found five feet of snow on top of Hillel. Praku, they quickly took him out. They washed him off. They brought, they brought him back to life. They say, put him next to fire. They said, listen, we got to do all this, right? They did all these things. They smeared him. They put they lit a fire for him. They, all these things. They did it to save his life. Okay? So, somebody comes up to Shemayim. They say, no, Rabbi Yid, you didn't learn Torah. He says, yeah, I couldn't. He said, why not? I have enough money. He said, really? There's people who didn't have enough money and they set aside time for learning Torah. And comes uh, comes along hill. Hill's going to walk along. He's going to say, look at him. Were you poorer than him? He made sure. What happens if somebody's wealthy? He comes up to Shemayim, comes up to judgment. We say to him, Why didn't you set aside time daily to learn Torah? Am I met Rosher? You see, if the guy says, "Oh, I'm so wealthy, I'm busy." And I am Torah. I'm busy running my business. I'm Rim like Flamosher. You see, Yosem, Rabbi Elazar. This is Rabbi Elazar Bacharson that we said earlier. Any busier and any wealthier than Rabbi Elazar Ben Charson? I'm Rabbi Elazar Ben Charson. How rich was Elazar Ben Charson? Listen to this. He owned a thousand cities. And each city, he owned a thousand ships to go support that city, to bring things back and forth. So he owned a thousand cities and a hundred thousand ships. All right? You think about people who have a yacht. <laughs> hundred thousand yachts over here. Every day, night till night, he would take a canteen full of flour, put it on his shoulder, and he'd go trying to learn from place to place to go learn Torah. Okay? Finished learning in one place, went to another Rebbe to learn more Torah. One time, some of his employees found him, and they, they tried to force him to work. Yeah? They thought that he's living in one of his cities free of charge. He's just loitering around one of his cities. So Rashi explains that when somebody would do that, they were allowed to put them to work and say, listen, you're going to hang around here, get to work. You know, you you, got to help out this place. Let me go so I can study the words of Tyrum. They said, We swear by the life of our master, Rebbe Lozim who they're talking to, but they don't know that. We're not going to let you go. What you see from here is, he was undercover. He, he would just, he owned all this, but what he'd do, he wouldn't go check out his businesses. He spent his time learning Torah. His own employees didn't know what he looked like. He sat and learned Torah. One of my mentors told me, take the word busy out of your vocabulary and don't use it 
if somebody asks you for something, if somebody says, oh, Rabbi, can you do, can you do this, can you do that? If you don't have time, train yourself to not say I'm too busy. Rather, what we have to say is, it's not my priority right now. It changes everything. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, if, if my wife asks me for something, asks me to do something, I can't say I'm, I'm busy right now. I have to say, I'm sorry, it's not my priority to help you right now. And if I say that, I better mean it. <laughs> and if I mean it, I'm in trouble. So therefore you go, and it forces us to prioritize, right? We have to train our minds to stop saying we're too busy for total learning. We're too busy to do things. Train ourselves instead to say, it's not my priority. And then at least we're being honest, because nobody's ever too busy for priorities. A person can have no time in the day. Chas v'shom, they break their leg, they're gonna go to the, they'll have time to go to the hospital to get a cast. So nobody's ever too busy for anything. The problem is that we just don't have so much time, so we need to prioritize. If we change the language to, in our own minds from, I'm too busy for this, and instead think of it as, it's not my priority right now, it'll allow us to be a lot more truthful, a lot more emesdic into how we spend our time and the decisions that we make. Okay, be it as it may. So we have a poor person who comes to the Shemayim, they say, uh, you're no poorer than who? A wealthy person comes to Shemaim, oh, so rich, busy with my bank account. Yeah, you're no wealthy, you're a husband Kharsim. Really? You own 100,000 boats? You own 1,000 cities? Come on. This next piece of Gemara is mind blowing. Also, very well known, but I find this to be very fascinating, and I'll show you why. Russia, I'm Rimlai. The Russia comes up to Shemaim. What do we say to him? We don't say to a Russia, why'd you do bad things? What we say to the Russia is, why didn't you learn tire? We expected better. The guy says, listen, I'm tall, dark, and handsome. I'm a good-looking guy. I got Yitzharas. I got women throwing themselves at me. I got, you know, so what am I supposed to do? I remember like we say to him, really, you're more handsome than Yosef Atzadik? Okay? What is it said about Yosef Atzadik? I want us, as we read this Gemara, to put ourselves as much as possible into Yosef HaTzadik's shoes. Picture ourselves 17 years old. We're sold down to Mitzrayim. Our family turns against us. We're completely alone in the world. We have nothing. The from community has turned against us. Okay? My brothers. Yosef's brothers. Only other from people in the world. Completely sold him down to Egypt. We don't like you. Bye. He's all alone. He's tall, dark, and handsome. He's starting out in a new country. Every single day, Petifar's wife, who was a very good-looking woman, she would try to seduce him with words. And she would constantly have a wardrobe change to see if there's different styles that she could entice Yosef HaTzadik with. Amrullah, she said to him, Hishamali, listen to me. I want to have relations with you. I want to commit adultery with you. She would seduce him. He's all alone, 17 years old. Amrullah, love. He says to her, no. Amrullah, she says to him, If you don't, I will have you locked up in prison. I'll have you thrown away. 
I got total power over you. I could totally destroy your life. Amarla, Yosef says to her, okay, go ahead. Hashem Matir Asurim. You can throw me into prison. God decides who's in prison and who's not. I don't care. She says, Hareini Kaifefes Kaimasach. Right now you got a big position in my husband's home. I will make accusations against you unless you commit adultery with me. I will totally destroy your name. The Me Too movement for men. I will totally destroy your name. Again, he's 17 years old, got nothing going for himself. No family, nothing. He says, okay, Hashem's like if kafufu. You want to destroy my name and bend me over? Hashem's the one who can straighten me out. Picture ourselves if we can, ourselves in this situation. She says, Hareini misama eseinecha. I will hurt you. I will blind your eyes. He says, Hashem Hashem God lets the blind see. You're not in control. She sees it, that threats are not going to work. So instead she says, okay, let me work the other way. The next day she comes back and she says, I'll make you exceedingly wealthy. I'll give you a thing. Joe, Yosef, you do this with me, you'll have a good time, it'll be great, I'll make you wealthy, you'll have everything. The Shmaya Eileha because she wanted him to listen to her to just lay next to her and be with her. And he didn't even want to listen. He just closed his ears. Different type of response. Very interesting. When she started with the threats, he's like, hey, you're not in control of this world, lady. And then she starts giving him stuff. He's like, just doesn't even listen. He knew that what we do in this world determines our next world. And a one-night act is not a one-night act. If I'm going to lay with her in this world, that means I'm spending eternity with her. And eternity because of her. Says the Gemara. Nimtza, we find, Hillel is going to obligate poor people in judgment in the next world. We have no excuse not to learn Torah, other than we're not making it a priority. It's a decision. To not learn Torah is a decision. I'm, I'm choosing to not prioritize. We're, we're not too busy. It's, we, we've, deter, we've decided, I'm not going to prioritize. Rabbi Lozav and Kharsim, Machayv is Ashirim. Lozav no wealthy person has an excuse, I was wealthier than Rabbi Lozav and Kharsim. And here's what I find mind-blowing. Yosef Machayv is Yosef obligates the Rishon. Here's what's fascinating. Hillel was poor. So you could say Hillel is Machai of the poor people. Rabbi Elizabeth Kharsim was wealthy. We'll say, okay, so any wealthy person has used. But was Yosef a tzaddik of Russia? No. It says Yosef is Machai of the Rishon. By the first two categories, it's somebody who's inside that category who's obligating everybody else. But by Yosef HaTzadik, he's Mechaev the Rishon. The question over here, this whole idea is really a mistake. You know why? But I think there's a powerful message. And that is, there's really no such thing as a Russia. 
There's no group called Rishatim. Every single person has a Yetzir Hara. Some people have stronger Yetzir Haras in certain areas. Other people have stronger Yetzir Haras in different areas. You don't need to be a Russia to be Mechai of the Rishatim. You don't need to be a Russia Mechai of the Rishatim. Be a Tzaddik be Mechai of the Rishatim. Because we all have that same we all have that same drive, the same desire in, uh, in different ways. Yosef, Mechayi B'Zor Okay. Asaf, you like that? Smart. Mamish, it's a, it's a, you've got, we've got to spend time on this. We've got to spend time on, on, uh, on this idea. Contemplate a little longer. All right, here we go. Let's finish off the daf. Zok, the next Mishnah. He comes, the Kain Gadol comes to the Paradum. Uh, not the Paradum, I'm sorry. He comes to the Parah of the Chatos. He comes to his book. All right, and here we go. His bull. All right, so this is the the karbachatas for the kain gadol himself. Upari hayoyim et bein ulam mizbeach. He was telling between ulam and the mizbeach. Raisha the darim parav lamarov. The head of the bull is facing towards the darim towards the south, and the face is turned sideways towards the west. The kain aim to mizrach uparav lamarov. The kain stands to the east with his face towards the west. V'saymich shtei yod of alel. And he puts his two hands, he does smicha. He leans on the animal, and says, And this is what he would say, I've done a virus on purpose. Pashati, I've been negligent. Chatosi. And I've sinned by mistake against you. Both me and my family. So this is a personal carbon chatas for him and his family. This is not the carbon chatas for Klai Yisrael. Ono Hashem, please Hashem, kaper, no la'avoynis la'pashom v'lachatoyim. Please be mechaper for my avoynis, my peshom and my chatoyim. Shavisi v'sheposhati v'shechatosi l'fanecha ani uveisi kakosu b'zeres Moshevdecho as it says in the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu ki b'yoyim hazeh yechaper aleichem b'goymer on this day on Yom Kippur the Kohen Gadol is going to bring a kapora for Gans Klayus on Vagadish Baruch Hu ve'inon imachrov and everybody responds after the Kohen uh, everybody would respond Baruch Shem. Everybody would respond after the Kayin Gadol. Baruch Shem, Kavoyed Malchusai, La'ilam, Va'ed. And that ends the today's daf. That ends daf Lamed Hay. And uh, we will pick up Bez Hashem from daf Lamed Vav.